0: Good day, and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacy Fleece, and here with Samantha Tredelius today. Samantha, how are you?
1: God, I'm so good. Do you ever get tired oh, oh, of wait. saying...
0: Well, huh? look, look, look. Power power red on my lips, which is yeah. not as good of a look as it is on yours, but I'm you, know trying. What,
2: thank, you. thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'm actually wearing a lip plumper, like a gloss, and my lips are on fire, so I won't be wearing it again. But I'm, you know, just, I wanted to plump them, plump it up for you today, please. Is that, is that that city lips stuff? I don't know what it is. It's some Sephora crap I bought. Okay.
0: All right. I have one that also burns my lips. That's all. It's it's probably
2: not good for you if it's
0: burning your fucking lips. Just FYI. (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. But I'll tell you what is good for us is the conversation we're going to have today. Because we're going to get down and dirty and real about social justice and all all the things around it, and what we can do with our kids uh, in that world. So we, have some, sorry, dogs. It's dogs. You know what? It's live. It's raw. It's real. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, that's what that's what we get. Um, sorry about that. So we have with us today, Lisa Ichikawa. Lisa, how are you?
1: Hello. I was just on mute because I had a cat that was scratching at the door. So here we go. I'm not on mute. It's real. Maybe. So <laughs> Lisa,
0: educator. consultant, activist, social justice expert. I mean, these are, these are all, these are all pretty heavy things, especially when we're talking about how we really need to do better for our children, how we need to be better for this next generation. And I feel like you are really leading the charge there. So first of all, thank you.
1: Thank you for all you
0: do. Um, but I want to I want to back it up and sort of ease into how you got there because you you have said that your journey into social justice really stemmed in childhood as a mm-hmm. multiracial person growing up in a predominantly white world which speaks very near and dear to my heart because I have multiracial children mm-hmm. and they also have grown up in a very white world and and uh, as I was. Telling Samantha, I feel like I don't think about that enough from their perspective, and I should think about it more. So uh, I'm hoping to get some good takeaways from you today. But let's go back to the beginning. How'd you get into all this?
1: Yes, I, you know, I grew up with my father's Japanese American. Um, And my last name is Ichikawa. So you can imagine being in an elementary school setting. Children had a field day with that name. They had a field day with what I brought in my lunch. So it was from early on, really understanding the sense of feeling otherness, right? That I was othered. Um, And, you know, I had so many friends at the time that I didn't even realize were also kids of color that we kind of found each other. And I think going through the motions of, you know, moving in and out of different social groups and figuring out parts of my identity. I really didn't come into the fact of like who I really was until I was in grad school. And my advisor, his name was Stan Chu. He had this long, long gray beard. And he was like, you know, Lissa, you're a person of color. And I was like, what? What?
0: <laughs> what? I what? am?
1: Yes, I am. Get. And you know what I what it was just like, you know, when you see your life flash before your eyes, it was like that moment of like the world spinning and realizing, oh, my gosh, this is why I have felt this way. And it just lit a fire underneath me because I saw young Lissa going through this and I saw from my education, uh, you know, learning to be a teacher in my pre-service years, seeing kids in those spaces too and said oh my god this is such an opportunity not only for me healing my you know childhood self also making such an impact on not just the children that I'm working with all the adults as well because I have had that that lived experience of having a foot in both worlds of not being this enough or that enough. Right. And we do that to ourselves. We do that to our kids. We do that to each other. And so the more that we start to understand and recognize and celebrate all the differences, that's where the good stuff is, right? That's where it's we're we're showing up to the table as our full self all the time and celebrate.
2: I love, I love, I love, love. and I love you, Lissa, so much. So a little bit of backstory, Lissa and Sam Myself, we have known each other for, I mean, my God, since I was, I think, 16 and you were maybe 17, we were working at Jamba Juice together, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we're going to take it way back. And mm-hmm. I will start here. Lissa was always cool as shit then. And <laughs> now, as a grown ass woman, she is even cooler. I watched your journey. I watched what you're doing. I'm in complete awe with this, this, you know, focus that you've taken on about educating the world on. Difference and how we can all encompass and appreciate each other, and what that really looks like for our kids. Being a parent of small children, I see that, you know, they are my girls are growing up in kind of the same environment you and I grew up in, which is predominantly, you know, Caucasian. And it's very interesting that when you go out and you see other parts of the country, it's not all the same. Everybody doesn't look the same. And, you know, it's important to kind of get that out there to the, the, every, the the blend of America, you know Um, when you're in the classroom and you're seeing children and you're around these little beings, you know, are you finding that there are things that parents and families are doing at a ground level to help not have this big gap between things? Are you, are you, do you feel in your experience, we still have so far to go, I guess is the question.
1: Yeah. I think that when I see parents and when I see adults really letting kids take the lead, that's where I'm like, yes, okay, keep doing that, keep doing that. And really approaching so much with this inquiry, right, this curiosity. Children are making meaning of the world around them and they're getting messaging from everywhere, right? From us, from their, you know, TV, from media, from what they see in the toy section at Target, right? Everything is giving them messages. So as they're making sense of it, it can be really knee jerk for parents and caregivers to hear a kid say something and feel uncomfortable. And so you shut it down, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage folks, right? When you, in those moments of discomfort, instead of saying, oh no, no, don't talk about that, right? To say, wow what made you think about that, right? And ask a question and try to get at the root of what they're figuring out, right? They're making sense of things. And what happens there is instead of shaming them or teaching them that that thing is bad or we don't talk about that, it's inviting them to to have a dialogue with you so that you can see where they're coming from, you can help guide their understanding, right? Or they can guide you in a lot of ways, right? And, And that's the thing is, Children have this amazing openness, right?
0: Yeah, it's called no filter. That's what <laughs> that too, you call it openness. <laughs> I'm gonna call it
1: no filtering. Yeah. Right, right. So you're at the, you know, you're at the grocery store and mommy, why is that person in a wheelchair? Like at the top of their lungs, right? And you turn Absolutely. The theater, right. And those things, those things are going to happen. And I think that when we hush the child, we say, no, like this is not a thing that we can talk about instead of saying, you know, this is a person and let's, maybe we can ask them. They are using a wheelchair because maybe they don't have full access of their legs. You know, and I think the more that we can allow children to have exposure to difference and I love what's happening in TV shows. Like the things that my sister's children watch are, I'm like, you know, they're on their screen time, downtime before dinner. And it's like, they're watching things that we're talking about, you know, neither of my niece or nephew are black and they're talking about, you know, a black girl who wears a bonnet to, to bed at night, you know, and they're like learning about that. Right. And so maybe when they're at school and they have a black kid in their class, they're not going to try and touch their hair without consent. Right. Mm -hmm. All those little things that help just guide the journey of how to be curious and how to invite conversation without it being based in shame or blame or censorship.
0: Do you think in in this environment where everyone's trying to be so politically correct and so unoffensive because nobody wants to get canceled, right, and it happens in an instant if you say one wrong thing, do you think maybe we've gone too far the other direction in trying to, um, I don't want to say whitewash the conversation, but just kind of like even the playing field and and not rock the boat anywhere, but that, I, I feel like in doing that, we are we're, we're not allowing ourselves to really celebrate those differences and learn about those differences. Mm-hmm. Are, are you, are you seeing that in some of the parents? I, I mean, I feel like that's probably where you're seeing it, not the kids so much, but
1: right. the parents
0: trying to just, you know, stay, stay away from anything. Hot potato.
1: For sure. That that makes a lot of sense. And none of us want to say or do the wrong thing. None of us want to hurt anybody, right? All of those intentions are, we know and try to assume that are coming from a good place. I think that what, what needs to happen is really thinking about how we focus on the impact, right? So if I ask a a question and it, and is offensive to you that we can build a relationship that you can tell me, hey, you know, when you said that, that wasn't okay with me, you know, that word's <laughs> not for you to use or whatever it is. Um, and so it's about building those relationships and establishing a sense of trust and naming before you say it, like I'm gonna go out on a limb here. And if I say something, you know, please let me know because I want to be able to receive that feedback. I wanna do the right thing. And we're gonna say the wrong, I do this for a living, right? <laughs> I, we're gonna say the wrong thing we're gonna put our foot in our mouth. So we're gonna have to apologize and that is normal and that is necessary and we ask kids to do it all the time so it's right. about time that we step in and we can do this too right
2: and I think I, we're all learning too as we go because the goalpost keeps moving all the time and so oh, like every day like you yeah, know you
1: right.
0: don't you know can't even figure out where it is anymore
1: Yeah. So I think, and also normalizing for your kids, right. And the young people in your lives saying, I don't know if you don't know, right. Oh, that's a really good question. Let's look that up. Right. And everybody's different. So some people are going to say, yeah, I will tell you all you want to know about reparations. I will tell you all you want to know about gender identity. Right. And some people say there's Google for that. Right. Look it up. Do the work yourself. And you, you have to just kind of be able to go with the flow and some people are going to be totally ready to go there with you and some aren't, and that's okay too.
2: Well, I think a lot of it too, I I just go back to like the parents and how much power in this moment we have. We recently had a friend visit um, and we hadn't seen them in a while and it was a friend of PJ's and he had said, you know, my daughter is now identifying as a young boy and, you know, he is now 15 and wants to go by this name. And, you know, we don't like, oh, he just, okay, sure. What We can't wait to see you. Yes. And so the, the girls, you know, I mean, they didn't know, care. I mean, it's just like, it's not a thing because we don't make it a thing. And it's just like, be who you want to be. And, you know whatever that is, as long as but you're not. I think it's not a thing, also because we because of
0: where we live. Yes, and because we are exposed to so much here in in urban settings. I 100%. don't want to say all urban settings, but certainly the one we're in, the ones we're in, and um, I just I feel like it, you're exactly right. We have a friend that says that to us, and we go, okay, so nobody cares. Right. But literally, like you can go 500 miles away, and they right. it's cancel it's cancel right. culture. They care infinitely or for, they'll be like uh, i
2: was no, I, I was, was in florida this weekend and they were like on the news talking about they can't say gay and like they were celebrating. and i'm just sitting there like in the corner with my jaw just like oh my god and you know somebody that was i was at we were at a restaurant and they were like you know with the you, you can't do this and the day this and then that and i'm like just like the mentality on the different areas is so interesting and and again i go back to the parent level because as human beings and as people that are teaching our youth, we have a responsibility to educate them. And in, in, in my, I mean, maybe I'm just biased and I'm going to say the correct way, which is, you know, everybody's everybody should be able to be and who say and act the way they want to in that way. I don't know.
1: And that's, I was just listening to, there's a, a non-binary sort of activist, Jeffrey Marsh, and they talk a lot about this and they really break it down. And I think what they say is, You know, it doesn't matter what my pronouns are. It's, you don't have to understand it to love me and to treat me like a human being. Right. So, no matter where you're at, and that's that, and that's the antidote to cancel culture is instead of calling somebody out, we're going to call them in. We're going to say, here's an opportunity for you to learn. I can teach you this because Uh when I teach you this, this helps me this makes me feel safer. This makes me feel like you're trying to understand me. And that helps me build trust and love and all the support that we need to like get through what we're going through in this world together.
0: Well, I, I get it. I mean, I, I, I have to believe most of it comes from a, a place of fear, a fear of fear of the not understanding. So, right. um, you know, I, I understand where it comes from, but how do you as an educator, you as as a consultant and activist, how do we expand the uh, the diameter of the circle of people that are accepting and understand it and do shrug when our friend says, well, she's a he and his name is X. Now we go, so? Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. It, I, it's no skin off anybody's nose. Why does anybody care? Okay, except... Oh, I won't get into that debate. I was going to say, except, <laughs> except maybe the the female swimmers that had to go up against the the one swimmer, which uh, it uh, that's a whole nother debate of you know athletic competition. We'll we'll table that one for later.
1: Yes, yes. and there's there is there's uh. a trans man athlete, Skylar Bear, and they talk a lot about trans people in sports, and we can see. You know with regard to sort of the chromosomal makeup of gender and sex right that even women who are cisgendered born women assigned female at birth are testing too high on the whatever testosterone scale and still getting banned so i don't i think that yes that's a that's a. we don't have enough time to get into that and <laughs> Have that's be- a whole other. That's a whole yeah. other episode. <laughs> yes, I'll come back for that. We have to be able to break out of the binary thinking that we are socialized into. Say, there's one way to be, or the other way to be, and often that filters into good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. there's The right way to be and the wrong way to be, and the more that we can, and that's what's awesome about children is they don't think that way. Yes, right. We teach them that they catch that from the world around them, right? So I have so many folks that I know in my life who are raising their kids non-binary. And they're saying, they're using they pronouns and they're naming their kid. And they're saying, when you're old enough to figure out who you want to be, you tell me, and it's all subject to change. Right. And I, I get it. That's totally at the other end of a spectrum. And hold on. My FaceTime is ringing. Um, <laughs> my sister's calling. She must, she must feel channeled. This is our, it.
0: this is our unedited world that we yeah. live in. It's okay. Uh, Dogs, cats, <laughs> sister. That
1: happened, I was leading a training and it was right after George Floyd Summer, everything was in chaos. We were oh. on Zoom and my FaceTime in the tone that was going off, and I was like, oh, you know, just like <laughs> trying to shut it off. <laughs> While I was holding my phone. I was like, it was very so now I'm just like, oh, let me just take a minute, decline. Okay, moving on.
2: No big deal. <laughs> so, in your work with consulting, tell us about the types of groups that you're talking to. I mean, what are the what are the what what are you doing there? What's that all about?
1: It's all types, right? There are people who have been in this work for decades. There are people who have that lived experience of, this is this, I already know this because I had no choice but to learn this, right? From a young age, my parents had to have the talk with me about here's what happens when you get pulled over. Here's what happens when, you know, this, this and that. So there's those folks. And then there are people who are doing it because at the beginning, and I'm going to say this with love, right? They want to check a box. They want to sure that they're not, like you were saying, Stacey, getting canceled, right? They want to do the right thing. And maybe it's not from their heart. Maybe it's to avoid, right, backlash or because they're forced to for this reason or that reason. What I try to do is... Find out who they are from listening, from asking questions and find there's connection points for everyone. We all have a story to tell of a time when we were hurt, right? A time when we were wounded or a time when we caused a wound and everybody's healing through that, right? And there's so much fear around going there right? Mm-hmm. And that's back to this whole socialization of being afraid, being sad, being mad. Those are bad things, right? And it's like, no, this is information. So tell me, right? Where are you coming from? And, and ask the question. And I will tell you 20 times why the Irish do not count when we're talking about slavery, right? Or I will tell you a <laughs> million times why, I, you know, I don't even know some of the things that, that people ask. And being able to say, thank you, Thank you for asking that. I know that took a lot of guts to ask that question because all, another thing we're not supposed to do, be is wrong, right? Uh-huh. Or uncertain. So the more that we create that environment, we set up norms, we talk about, this is the language that we're going to use. I'm going to speak from my eye perspective. I'm not going to say, you know, when we do this, or, you know, when you do that, right. And not ever going to make assumptions about other people in the room. And be ready to call somebody in, right? Or to name a wound if it happens. And that person in that moment will have an opportunity to be in a safer space and say, oh my gosh. I'm Do so you find about- that people
2: are are open, like once they get the uncomfortable, you know, that vibe off, like people will exchange dialogue on the subject? Because it is an uncomfortable subject because you don't know you don't know what you don't know. And you're afraid, you're afraid to go this way. You're afraid to go that way. You but know, we,
0: we've made it uncomfortable. We've made, we've made it awkward for ourselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think we're coming from, we've inherited, right? Uh, you know, a history of being in school, being in, you know, churches, groups, whatever, whenever there's like a leader, right? and they're watering down what's happening. They're changing the history to suit the comfort of the people there, right? And so now we're unlearning all this. We have the access to the internet. Kids know stuff now that I can't even imagine knowing at the age that they know it. And so it's like, oh shit, we better catch up because they know stuff that we don't know. And if I don't go do my homework, I'm not gonna be equipped to have this conversation. And I've had lots of conversations with parents From a teacher perspective of i need a heads up like where's my playbook what do i do right and and that's why as teachers it's important for us to always kind of reach out to give a heads up hey we're going to talk about this today Uh here's the talking here's some resources right i got all the resources you know you email me i'll give you four different things a podcast a website a tv show an article even a cartoon right so i think it's it's being able to build up that trove of resources um and then I think just, uh, you know, kind of, I, I think once we get into it and we break through, like you're saying that fear and that avoidance of discomfort every time, I, I cannot, I, there's never been a time where someone said, we don't have enough time. I wish this was longer. I'm so glad I did this. I have never had a person storm out or not feel grateful. Which is you never Did you, which ever, which
0: did you ever have a parent give you pushback on, like when you said, this is what we're going to, this is what we're going to talk about. Did you ever have the parent that went, uh, no, my kid will be sick that day. Did you ever have that one?
1: Yeah. And you know, you're not going to reach everybody, right? Yep. None of us, we cannot fix the world. We can brighten our no, corner. I want to then...
2: fix the world. I'm fully <laughs> ready to fix the world. How about the, pe- the, the? I don't remember what school or where it was somewhere, but they were trying to eliminate the slavery conversation out of textbooks and not making it a part of American history because it made people feel guilty and I'm like this is who we are like we need to realize how far we've come and how shitty we were and you look at the Native Americans you look that's part of our history and why wouldn't you want
0: hold on we're just a different kind of shitty now though we 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 were shitty and now we're just a
2: different kind of shitty hundred. I I backtrack. I digress. Yes. (laughs) But, but like what, what point does that make sense as a grown ass human being that we're just going to like erase it? Like it never happened.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: What is Mm -hmm. wrong with people?
1: I think that when, and you're saying like, you know, different generations of shitty, right. That now it is everything's being brought up that was pushed under the rug. Right. And there's no opportunity to avoid it any longer. So people are, are at that grasping at straws. I think that it was Texas and they said that we're going to call it forced relocation. Slavery, right. And it's just like, I roll, like teachers are smart and they're going to figure out a way to talk about it no matter what. And I've gotten, I've done trainings where you have a list of the things you're not supposed to say. Right. Come on. Like, Teachers don't not, do not like to be told what to do. No. So you tell us that we're not supposed to say things. We're going to find 55 creative ways to say those things without saying them.
0: What amazes me is that you can get actually a group of grown-ass humans who together will agree that not talking about slavery is a good idea. Like, okay, you get the rando in a, in a crowd. But these people actually put together a crowd who were like, yeah, that's a fucking fantastic idea.
2: Let's just take that right out. Who? I just, I can't. You know what, who does that? One word. I just have one with Texas, okay? We <laughs> can go on another podcast about our thoughts and feelings about our friends in Texas, okay? I just think it's it's such an interesting place and it's such a place of growth. And the reason I really wanted to have you on here, Alyssa, was number one, to see your beautiful face. But to really figure out ways that we could relay information to parents, to women about how they can educate themselves, their kids, their homes about ways to be more impactful in this area. So is, are there some books that we can put in our show notes, some podcasts, some direction for people that say, I want to get involved, but I don't really know even where to begin?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a bunch of resources I can share. I um, just made my Instagram now that I'm not teaching at a school um, public. So I have my link trees on there. There's a ton of resources for children's books. There's books for parents. There's countless resources I developed with some friends. um, A it's We're called the deconstruction club. And it's like, it's kind of like a book club, but it's not books necessarily because not everybody has time to read a whole damn book so it's you listen to this podcast and then come together we're going to talk about it it can be monthly it can be bi-monthly it could be weekly whatever you want um and there's different modules that you go through so i think it's about right being able to do two things it's to be windows and to be mirrors right so to create opportunities to look through and see somebody that's different by you know going to a different neighborhood trying a different kind of food right and having conversations beforehand to normalize is going to feel different and i say this with students all the time this is going to feel different you're going to hear sounds that you maybe don't hear and sometimes when people are uncomfortable we want to laugh what's so important is that we don't laugh because that could hurt somebody's feelings and really kids are so incredibly compassionate if we help frame that and when we try something new it might feel this, this, and this, right, and to push through the discomfort into learning and into growing and into experiencing, and that's where the beauty happens. Where you know you have kids who know what Diwali is, who know, uh, you know, how to use gender pronouns, right? All of those things, and and because we go through it with them and we sit and watch the, the TV show, or we, you know, listen to the audiobook or whatever it is, you know, driving back or waiting for the kid to get out of soccer practice, you can always be learning, right? And I think that that's the part of pushing through the guilt and the fear and the fragility, right? All the things that might come up in really recognizing whiteness and saying, you know, it's not our fault that we, that this is where we're at, that we're in the shit show that we are in. And it is our responsibility now that we know that we can fix it, right?
2: A hundred percent.
1: And that's that's what it's all about. Isn't I mean, what? I'm just
2: gonna
0: say, as a, I'm not gonna say I'm a middle-aged woman because I hate that word. But <laughs> as, as a as a uh, woman who has children who has children in college, I am gonna admit that it's complicated and sometimes it's confusing, and um, all of us are trying our best. Um, my daughter corrects me on a regular basis. I, you know, I, I remember I, back in the day, it was just like straight and gay. And that was all you had to worry about. Are you straight or are you gay? And now there's like 40,000 things, which I love because it lets everybody be exactly who they want to be. But it's a but lot to, ca- it's, it's a it's lot a, to, a lot to Yeah, yeah.
1: No, and And the thing is friends that, that all of those identities existed right before we inserted this binary system of you can choose the two things. And even now, you know, I just came into my own identity so much later in life because of all those things. And now I'm like, fuck this. I'm anti-binary. I'm not just non-binary. right? (laughs) I'm finding ways that, and, and I think that when you find, and we've all had those moments where we hear a thing, or we even, you know, as trivial as reading a meme, and like, oh my god, I feel so seen. Right? Those (laughs) happen all the time when you do this work, when you go into these places, and you can say, oh my gosh, this feels so good, and you feel it must
0: be so liberating, like just.
1: Right, and you know it's it's funny because if if it wasn't you know your kid correcting you on whatever word you're not supposed to use, they'd be correcting you about something else, right? So oh, was-
0: for sure,
1: <laughs> and yeah. I'm a, I'm a mom. You, I can't right? win. Be better out in this world. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, we're, we're all constant works of progress. And I think as long as we're moving towards, you know, a, a better, healthier, happier uni- unified world, I think that's really what it's about, you know, whether it's women's rights or gender rights or, you know, religious rights, there's so many different causes and passions and ways. But at the end of the day, I think it's really about, you know, being a good human And if we can get back to being good fucking humans to each other, this world would be a whole bunch better, in my personal opinion. So somebody recently told me that um, here I go again, just pushing my narrative, which was about women. And so today I want to say thank you for pushing your narrative of this inclusion and being a beacon of light for the children and for us big girls too, to help us learn a little bit more about how we can, we can adjust and be a little bit more active in our environment in a positive way. Lisa, we thank you. We will put uh, all your information and resources in our show notes. Everybody get out there this week and be inspired.